okay. I mean, I love Pastor J.O. and Radine, but it's really cool to have the chance to be able to be up here. Um, God's had this word in my heart for a while, and the timing is great because it absolutely kind of ties in with last week um, and, and the sound. But um, for those of you, uh, Debbie and I, were, we, I was set in as an elder last Saturday night, and um, thank you. Um, Pastor Mark really felt like God put it on his heart uh, to bless us with a, with a honeymoon. And so uh, thank you to all of you that gave to that and uh, we really appreciate that. The cool thing is is that we never actually had a honeymoon. We've been married for almost 24 years and, and when we got married, we just didn't have an opportunity to have a honeymoon. So we really feel like God was just kind of winking at us and saying, I got you, I got you. So. Anyway, um, raise your hand if you were here last week at The Sound. Okay, a lot of people. So for those of you that, that weren't here, The Sound, we have uh, guest pastors come in. Um, it's, it has a very prophetic nature to it. Uh, they're pastors, but they're gifts uh, of the Holy Spirit in, in the prophetic as well. And so they just come in and absolutely pour into this body. We had uh, five services and, and a leaders meeting, and just the presence of the Holy Spirit was sticking here. But you can kind of have a natural tendency to come off of that and kind of feel a bit of a, bit of a letdown. And I believe that what God put on my heart is, is that there should never be a time where we should feel like that we're dry or that, that his presence isn't always with us. He wants us to constantly be dwelling in that place where we're in his presence. And so, I, although you know, we, we had an amazing experience last week. The presence of God isn't just for events or experiences. The presence of God is always available. And so that's kind of what we're gonna talk about. You know, the Father's heart, Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, amen. And so tonight, tonight, this morning, we're gonna talk about some of the, the myths and things that we tell ourselves or convince ourselves about God's presence and why we don't feel his presence and hopefully we're gonna do away with those things so that you guys can absolutely dwell in his presence. I'm not talking about living at the church. I'm talking about living in his presence in your daily life. So please bow your heads. God, thank you so much for the privilege and opportunity to be here. God, I thank you for just each person here that their hearts are just ready. The soil of their heart, God, is ready to hear the word that you would have them to receive today. God, I ask that you would bless each person here. God, I know that, that your word says that we can cast all of our cares upon you because we know that you care for us. So God, if there are any, any things uh, that, that, that we're, we're carrying today, concerns for family or, or, or work or finances, God, I ask that we would just set that to the side. Set it at your altar this morning, God, as we come to sit in our daddy's lap and hear what he has to say to us. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. So we're gonna start off this morning by looking at the story of Jesus and Lazarus's two sisters. Now normally you would say, isn't that really the story about Lazarus being raised from the dead? And yeah, that is definitely uh, what the story's about, but I wanna look at the humanity of the response of Mary and Martha through the situation. So we're gonna start off in, in John 11. Now, so Martha and Mary sent a messenger to Jesus. Jesus was in a different town. They said, hey, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. And so their expectation is, is that Jesus is just gonna rush over there. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
And it goes on to be very clear. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he left everything that he was doing and rushed to Lazarus' side. No, it does not say that. It says when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now wait a minute. It very clearly says that Jesus loves them. Why didn't he rush to his side? Because Jesus knows something that we don't. I said Jesus knows something that we don't. He knew it then and he knows it now. But he knew that this sickness was not unto death but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Then after two days, he said, let us go to Judea again. So Jesus spoke prophetically that Lazarus wasn't going to die. And I want you to know, as we experienced last week, that the the prophetic, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power, the glory, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is still alive today. It doesn't matter what we've been taught, the word of God lives and abides forever. So we, we cling to that. So Jesus said unto us, you and me, all of us here, John 14, 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. So Jesus just signed off on power of attorney for us to be able to operate the power of the Holy Spirit and do the things that he did. So yeah, the Holy Spirit is alive and well in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho in the year 2015. And we saw that last week. So he is, he's talking to his disciples, John 11, 11. These things he said after that he had said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. I absolutely believe at this point that Lazarus had died. Remember, Jesus wasn't there. He wasn't present. Remember, he, t- he waited for two more days. But he says, I, I gotta go wake him up. So I absolutely believe that sometimes we will, just like his disciples, they were there, and they heard him say that this, doesn't, this sickness isn't unto death. I need to go wake up Lazarus. We hear, but we're not always listening. Because then they go into to arguing with him about, well, if he's just resting, what's the big deal? And we'll see later that Jesus is like, no, 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 you heard me, but you're not listening. This brings up a point that I wanna stop and I, I, wanna, I wanna camp out here for just a little bit. You know, last week, um, the, 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 one of the beautiful things about the sound is, is God shows up and he just kinda says, hey, I see you and I'm gonna give you a little nugget, something for you to hold on to. Um, Psalms 105, David wrote this psalm as a memorial to God's goodness, to his glory, to his deliverance. And in verse 19, it speaks specifically about Joseph. And if you know Joseph's story, you know that that his life was rough, right? So God gave him a word as a child. He had a dream. And it says that until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Until. That means time. You know, we get a word and we want it to just happen immediately, right? I I have seen so many people, and Pastor J.O. did a phenomenal job of trying to prepare people. But people get a word and they were like, why isn't it coming to pass? I don't understand. I got a word from God, why isn't everything great? Until, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. 
God on, God's the only one that knows how long it's gonna take before that word comes to pass. And the reality is is that God, God doles information out in little bits and pieces because if he exposed to us the magnitude of his plans for our lives, we would be overwhelmed and I, I, I think that we would run out of fear because God, I can't do that. Are you kidding me? So he gives it to us bit by bit. And as we continue to step into that step by step, then we start to see the bigger picture. Remember when J.O. said that the prophetic word was potential? The reason it's potential is because we've been given free will. God is not a puppet master. He speaks to us, but we have free will. Joseph, he was tested for some 13 years. At any given point throughout that process, he could have said, I'm done. I'm out of here. This is too much, too hard for me to take. Or maybe let's say when he was with, with, in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife keeps coming to him day after day after day, he could have given in. That's the potential. We have a free will choice. We can either receive the word and start walking in the direction that God gives us, even though he hasn't revealed the whole picture, we can start walking in that direction or we can give in. That's the potential. So God, of course, says until the day, the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. It's preparing you. You know, we want God to give us everything now. And then we get angry, God, why are you withholding this from me? And what God is doing is he's protecting us from ourselves. You take a kid, a 16-year-old kid, I love you, Becca, but there's absolutely no way when you turn 16 and you got your license that I would give you a brand new car. (laughs) Okay, a little transparency moment. I get home last night and she's watching Duck Dynasty and they were teaching the daughter, what's her name? Sadie, teaching her how to drive. And that, that makes my whole case as to why a good parent would not give their kid a brand new car. God is the best parent. God's not just gonna say, hey, Joey, here you go, bro. Joey's not ready. No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. None of us are ready for the fullness of what, Joey knows I'm not picking on him. None of us are ready for the fullness of what God has for us. We have to be refined and sharpened and prepared. Joseph, the things he went through, you would look on the outside and say, what did that guy do to deserve everything? God was with him. It even says that multiple times. God was with him, caused him to prosper. The word of the Lord tested him. Abraham. God gave him a a promise that he was gonna have a son. Abraham's 100 years old, but it says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. We have a choice to believe what the prophets have spoken and prosper, or we can waver through unbelief. We prophesy in part, we see through a glass darkly, but the potential is still there. Continue to pray and seek God, get godly counsel, but don't just dismiss it because you don't understand it. There are people in this room right now that got a word, and I know, they they came to me and they're like, hey, 
I gotta let you know, this happened this week. Immediate confirmation. God sees you, God knows you, he loves you. But I wanna let you know, God will talk to you when and where and how he wants to. You don't have to wait till the sound next year in order to get a word from God. And it doesn't have to come from somebody up here with a microphone or in a suit or at a pulpit. It could be the person sitting right next to you. You know what? God really wanted me to encourage you. Or, you know the best way God communicates to us? It's just right now. Every single person, I believe God right now is talking to you. I absolutely believe that. Are you hearing or are you listening to what God is saying? You know, when, when you read the word of God and you just feel like, wow, that was, that was really good. That's God's touch. Last week at the sound, there's no possible way that they could have given a word to every single person. It's not the way God works. But there were times, I remember with, with uh, Cody and Nikki, when they were talking to you guys, my heart came on fire inside of me. And I got very emotional because God says, hey Don, that's for you too. If you were here last week and they were speaking to somebody else and you felt your heart just come alive inside of you and you just felt something well up inside of you, that's God saying, that's for you too. God is so good. And you take that word and you hold on to it. You remember how J.O. said that you can take that word and wage a good warfare? That's exactly what we do. We don't waver. We don't have to understand. We've got a God who knows everything. That's all I need to understand. Debbie and I, um, we, as you guys know, we're gonna be going to Honduras next September. And um, when, we first, you know, when we first realized that God was calling us to, to go plant a church, people would say, well, how long are you gonna be there? And our answer was forever, I guess. We just, that was, that was all we knew. We always thought that Honduras was the end game. But as we've gotten closer, we've realized that Honduras is just the starting point for us. And in fact, the word God gave us was it's, it's a launching pad. So he's gonna send us from Honduras to somebody somewhere else and then from somewhere else. But had God revealed to us the full plan back then, it would have overwhelmed me and I'd have said, I want nothing to do with that. So God gives us a little bit at a time. God gave me this image of, of uh, it's like you're driving at night on a highway, you got your, your, your lights on, right? It only shines so far into the distance. And we could see a road sign and it said Honduras on it. And we're like, cool, we're on the right track. As we get closer to that, the headlights start to cast beyond that. And we could see a sign in the distance, but we couldn't quite make it out. But as we continue to get closer to Honduras, we see that there's something else in the future. And I know that as we get past the Honduran road sign, that that next picture is gonna come into play. That's the way God works with us. You know, we like to plan our life out. It makes us feel comfortable to be in control. But I just wanna let you know that the God of the universe who created you and breathed life into you, he is sovereign. And sometimes he will mess you up 
and get your life on track. I didn't ever want to step foot out of the United States until the Holy Spirit said, Don, I want you to go on a mission trip. He was doing some crazy things in my life. God will absolutely change the way you think about who you are and what your call is. You gotta be ready. You know, the, the prophets in the Old Testament, they didn't, have, they didn't have a five-year plan. They didn't know where their next meal was gonna come from, let alone have a five-year plan. You know, sometimes we absolutely stifle the hand of God by over preparing and controlling our lives. We leave no room for him to operate. I want you to be flexible. I want you to understand God has a perfect plan. You don't have to know what it is. He'll reveal it to you in due season. Let's get back to uh, our story of, of Mary and Martha and Jesus. John eleven fourteen. so the, the, the disciples are saying, well, you know, if he's sleeping, we don't really, what's the big rush? And then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. How many times does God come to us and, and give us something? And then he has to come along later and say, what, wait, wait a minute. Uh, this is what I said. You weren't listening. Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Everything we go through is an opportunity to learn and grow. You know, his grace is sufficient for us. If we mess up, he's gonna help us out. But the thing is, is we gotta be moving in that direction. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She just kind of slapped Jesus in the face and said, hey, it's your fault my brother died. Had you been there? Had you been there? How many times do we do this with God too? Hey God, had you been there when my marriage was falling apart? Hey God, had you been there when my bills were piling up? Hey God, had you been there when I was strung out? And I believe that God would say to you, I was there. Where were you? God is always present. And we, we, we mess up our lives and then we expect God to just come in and magically sweep and clean everything? That's not the way it works. Are you seeking him in your marriage? Are you seeking him in your finances? Are you seeking him in your life? Had you been there? God is there. Martha, she's understandably distraught. Her brother's dead, but man, we gotta, we gotta cool down the way we, we treat God, the God who loves us, the God who sent his son to die for us. God is always for you, never against you. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you feel like. God is for you. Do you hear me? Do you, are you listening to what God is telling you right now? Whatever it is you're going through, God is for you. But if God comes in and just, boom, cleans everything up, have you learned anything? Are you gonna go and make the same mistakes again? Yeah, you probably will. You know, I think a lot of people, when it comes to finances, we don't have a money problem, we have a wisdom problem. 
You don't need a miracle in your finances, you need wisdom in your finances. God gives you a million bucks, you go spend it and find yourself in the same place you were before. You need wisdom, and God gives us wisdom. I imagine it breaks God's heart when we say, had you been there, God? He's like, I'm always there. But you never let me work in your situation. You always try to figure it out yourself. You always try to take over and you leave no room for me to work. Oh, he's there. He's there right now. Stop breaking his heart. Allow him to work in and through you. Jesus said he sent the Holy Spirit. John 16, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Oh, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Do you understand that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is like the perfect three? I mean, God sends his son to die for us. We receive redemption. Jesus, raised from the dead, ascends into heaven, sends the Holy Spirit. We are not alone. God has not left us alone. He sent the helper, and the helper helps. We gotta acknowledge sometimes, man, God, I need help. I need help. Mary then came. We, we, you know, Martha, Martha, Martha. We expect this from Martha, right? We, we know Martha, we know all about Martha. Mary though, Mary, she's just, she's, a, she's an incredibly emotional person. Um, and then so she comes to Jesus and she essentially says the same thing, had you been there? And Jesus, it says he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He absolutely knows our circumstances. He knows what we're going through. You think it doesn't, doesn't burden his heart, the things we're going through? But I know he's saying, gosh, if you only knew what is ahead and why I'm letting you go through this. God, he's perfecting us for something great. It's like Connor said with Russell Wilson. He didn't just praise God in the good times. He praised God during the the hard times, knowing that God was preparing him. What is God preparing you for right now? What are you going through that God is preparing you for. I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that every single person in this room has a beautiful God-given destiny. Every person in this room has a purpose and a call. I don't care what you feel like. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. Your identity is in Christ. No. You can't do anything on your own. I still, I still have to stop and say, God, is this real? I can't believe I'm here. Why would you use me? This broken man, why would you use me? 
And he's like, Don, it's not really about you. Yeah. Okay, okay, I'll receive that. Yeah. You know, J.O. says he's lo- always looking for fat Christians. Faithful, available, and trainable. Make yourself a fat Christian. Faithful, available, and trainable. Amen? Verse 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? You gotta understand, your heavenly father, he has emotions. He's not some cold deity off in distant space that is really uninterested in the personal dealings of your life. He experiences love and joy. The Holy Spirit says that he can be grieved. We see here that Jesus wept. You gotta understand, they're intimately involved and related and hopeful in the outcome of your life. I wanna talk right now about this, this example that Jesus gives. He's there, he's grieved, he's troubled, And this is what Jesus does, verse 41. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I want you to speak to the Lazaruses in your life. That that, that relationship that job, the feeling inside of yourself. You're like, Don, it has nothing to do with anything else. I feel dead inside. You talk about his presence, I don't know what that means. Jesus cried out loud. You know what? Stop stop praying silently in your head. You're, You're not putting anything on the line when you're praying silently in your head. You know what I want you to do? I want you to pray out loud, God, I need a new job. God, I need life put back in my marriage. God, whatever your Lazarus is, whatever it is that feels dead in your life, you speak it out loud. Not because there's somebody else that needs to hear it, but because you need to hear it. Coming out of your own mouth, you build your faith, you speak life into your situation. Jesus gives us the example. No, 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 I'm gonna do it this way. I feel more comfortable this way. Well, guess what? Comfortable never raised anybody from the dead. So, had you been there? I wanna look at some examples of what we do or what we think about his presence. Number one, we sometimes go to where he was. Pastor Bob last week said something, why are we always going to where Jesus was? On the third day, the women went to the place where Jesus was last, the tomb, Mark 16. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. You know what? If you came in here this morning thinking, oh, man, I hope it's like last week. It's not gonna be. But if you come in here saying, I know that I'm gonna be in the presence of God Almighty and that the Holy Spirit's gonna move on my behalf, then he sure will. You can't live on last week's presence. You gotta be seeking his presence daily. 
Mark 16, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs, amen. His presence is found in obedience to his commands. As they went out and fulfilled the great commissions, it says that he was working with them. That's presence. And he, it says that he confirmed the word with signs following. He's still doing that today. Number two, we think that our sins can prevent his presence. I'm just, I just, that sin I committed yesterday, I just, God, why would he, he, he wouldn't have anything to do with me. I, 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 his presence, his presence. You know, God never withdraws his presence from us, but we will withdraw from him because we feel unworthy. We're listening to the lie. Stop listening to the lie. Satan doesn't want you in God's presence. He wants you to live in sin consciousness. It says in John chapter four, Jesus says he needed to go through Samaria. Jesus was seeking out a sinner. He was going to bring his presence to this woman. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. He's reaching out. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. God, I don't understand. Why would you come to me? You, 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 you are righteous. You are holy. You can't have anything to do with me. I'm, this, I'm a dirty, filthy man. But God seeks us out. Because God knows the transformation and the change that can occur just by his presence. Yeah, sin cannot exist in his presence, but he doesn't expect us to stay in our sin. His presence is gonna change us. It's gonna transform us. We should never remain in sin. We immediately doubt that God's goodness would come to us in our broken state. He sent Jesus to die for us when we were dead in sins. Why would he change his methods now? We get born again, we understand, we understand, you know, remission of sins. But man, why do we keep why do we keep thinking that God's different now? His presence is still readily available. We withdraw from him because we feel unworthy. Jesus died to make us righteous. It's not my goodness, it's not your goodness, it's his goodness that allows his presence. Number three, we don't recognize his presence. Luke 24, the road to Emmaus. Now behold, two of them, the disciples, were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. How often are we walking along in life and Jesus is right next to us and we don't recognize it. Maybe it's that brother that you're in a city group with and he comes up to you and says, hey, let's get together and let's just do some Bible study. Hey, your, your, your wife says, honey, you know what? I just wanna let you know I love you and I think you're a wonderful man of God. Jesus, will, he'll be right next to us and because it doesn't look like what we think Jesus should look like, we'd be like, okay, thanks. These guys, they reasoned 
but they didn't know Jesus was with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? We're so often like these guys. We just, we sit and wallow in what it is we're going through. Jesus is right there with us and we sit and wallow. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened here in these days? In today's vernacular, we would say, were you born under a rock? Or you been living? That's what they say to Jesus. And he said to them, well, what things? He's like, okay, I'll, I'll play this game. I'll play with you. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. I found it interesting that he didn't say Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the Christ. I think had they known who he was, that they would have recognized him. But they put him in a box. Oh, he's that prophet. Yeah, he did mighty deeds. But they didn't recognize him as their savior. How the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. I, I was hoping that he was going to come and just take care of all my bills. And when he didn't, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa. What, God, had you been there? God, where are you? God doesn't work that way. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them and he took bread. Oh, now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them and he took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? You wanna know how you know you're in his presence? When you're reminded of his sacrifice for you, when your heart burns inside of you, you know you're in his presence. How many times do we go to the word of God, we open it up and it's just words on a page. It feels dry. It feels lifeless. God, where are you? Had you been there? What is our heart when we seek him? What is our expectation when we go to him? Your heart should burn when you read the word of God, when God's speaking to you. Do you commune with God or do you do your chore of daily Bible reading? What is your heart about the time that you devote to God? What is your, what is your approach to that? It's not, some, it's not something that we check off. Ate breakfast, read my Bible, 
you know, brush teeth. It's not like that. This is living water. You want to change your destiny? You want to change your outcome? You want to, you, want to, you want to be a good mom and a good dad? You set an example for your kids of the proper heart of coming to read the word of God. You want to set that example for your kids. You lead them in prayer. You lead them in time of devotion. Your kids get up and they start to be rebellious and stuff and you're like, I don't understand. Where did we go wrong? You never went right. Number four, we think we are in his presence. Luke two. So the, the, the whole Joseph and Mary family entourage caravan goes to Jerusalem for a feast. Now when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and Mary did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. We can go through life thinking that Jesus is with us and be completely wrong. I'm gonna tell you a story about this guy. Uh, He was a a really religious guy and he thought that Jesus was with him. I mean, this guy even had a Bible fellowship in his home for a number of years and and, and did all the right things. And then after a while, he just kinda got lazy, got complacent, and just started doing enough to get by. He felt like he was doing okay. And then, as if at an appointed time, the Holy Spirit intervened. The person I'm talking about is me. And that was about three years ago. And the Holy Spirit wrecked me. Ah, I really get emotional when I think about it because I was that guy. I was lazy and selfish. Been a believer my whole life. But Jesus, I thought I was in his presence. I thought I was with him. But he came to me and he said, Don, your whole life, you've been dragging me behind you in your plans. And now it's your turn to follow me. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the, why didn't they go there first? Why did it take them three days Why does it take us three years or a lifetime to find Jesus? Where are you looking for him? He's not in your computer. He's not on that website. He's not at the bar. He's not at your favorite sports event. You know where to look for him. Now it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? God, had you been there? Where were you? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Aren't we like Joseph and Mary? Well, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is here. His presence is real, and you know where to find him. You just gotta start looking. Number five, ultimately, we wanna be in his presence eternally. We have a friend that passed away last night. 
Debbie and I spent a lot of time with them and the family at hospice this week. But there was one night I was there by myself with Scott and it was about 10.30 and um, he, he, he was not coherent but I was reading scriptures out loud and, and I was praying for him. And Scott is a guy who, he lived to play worship. He loved doing that more than anything else. And as I was praying for him, I whispered in his ear, it won't be long, and you're gonna be in his presence playing for him personally. And I wanna ask you right now, when this life is over, where are you going to be spending your eternity? Will you be in his presence? We can have presence now, but this time, this life is just for a short period. Do you know where you're going when this life is over? Would you please stand to your feet? This question, where are you going, has eternal ramifications. Just please just bow your head and close your eyes right now. If you're in this room and you say, Don, I think I know where I'm going. I think I do. But man, you know, sometimes I just mess up really bad and I feel like, I feel like I'm not sure anymore. If that's you and you just say, I just don't know for sure, I want you to raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand in the back. If you want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, without question, regardless of what happens in life, if you want to know that you're going to be in his presence eternally, I'm going to ask you again, if you did not raise your hand out and you don't know, I'm asking you one more time, raise your hand. He's talking to you right now. Remember how Jesus was talking to those two and they didn't know him? I believe that there are people in this room that right now God is talking to you and you don't understand that he's saying, yeah, you, I'm talking about you, the one whose heart is fluttering, the one who has butterflies in their stomach, the one who says, I don't know, I'm still unsure. You're the one God is talking to. I'm gonna ask one last time, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I'm gonna ask those of you that raised your hand, if you would please come up here. And our, our leaders, if you guys can come all over here, I want you guys to come up here right now. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna talk with you, they're gonna pray with you, and they're gonna explain to you how easy it is to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're gonna be in his presence eternally. There were more hands in this room that went up. I really want to encourage you to come up. You guys, I just want you to know that God recognizes you, he sees you, and God is looking forward to being with you for eternity. Amen? Amen. You know, the whole point to my sermon was that I don't want you to walk out this door and feel like you're leaving the presence. 
you take it with you. You live in his presence. You remain in his presence. He wants you to commune with him, to be with him. God, it says God is a jealous God. He doesn't just want you for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. It's a relationship. He loves you. Seek him and you're gonna find him, amen? Please bow your heads. God, thank you so much for the beauty of your word. God, you give us so many examples. You, you, you give us everything that we need, God, if we, just, if we seek you. God, if we seek you, I know that we're gonna find. So God, I ask for each person in here, those that raised their hand and, 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 and didn't come up here, God, I ask that you would, you would bring somebody to them. God is desperate to reach you. So God, I ask that you would move mightily miraculously on behalf of your, your sons and daughters, those that don't know you personally as their heavenly Father, God, that you would meet them in a very real way. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. God, most of all, we thank you for your presence where we can dwell there like a home, God, and we could know that we are with you and you are with us. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen, all right. I love you guys. Thank you for coming out this morning.